Hello, and welcome to Life on Main, a daily podcast of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Tuesday, where we engage in candid conversations uh, in matters uh, pertaining to Christianity. Today I'm going to be sitting down with a fellow pastor, uh, Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and we are going to be talking about the confusion that exists around judgment versus condemnation when it comes to the body of Christ and even those outside the body of Christ. So. Uh, we hope that this conversation is uh, enlightening to you and is helpful. And so with no further ado, let's go to that conversation. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time that we have together. We ask that you would be with us as we open your word, as we rightly try to divide the word of truth and um, understand it and to be able to apply it properly to our lives, uh, Lord, as we strive to walk a life that is pleasing to you. And so would you be with us? Would you give us your words today? Would you do something lasting within our hearts that will go beyond the program and impact us for the rest of our lives? And we ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Amen and amen. So we're going to be turning to John's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 39 to 41. And this basically has to do with Jesus dealing with a blind man. Now, the whole scenario of this is Jesus just healed a blind man, and the Pharisees kind of got all bent out of shape about it. And the Pharisees figured this blind man is blind because of his sin, and Jesus had to correct them on that. So they are bringing judgment, or actually, they're bringing condemnation upon this blind man, but Jesus is bringing judgment. So I'm going to read. Uh, John 9, 39 through 41 for us. Verse 39 says, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into the world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus answered unto them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore, your sin remains. Now we look at this portion of scripture, and, and the key part of it is in verse 39, where Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world. That is the, the title of this, this uh, um, program today, is uh, for judgment I am come into the world. So what does Jesus mean about that? I mean, is, is that a bad thing that Jesus has come into the world to bring judgment? Um, is that something where all of us have to run scared now because Jesus came into the world to bring judgment? Or is it a good thing for us? 
Pastor Tim? Well, I would say it's all depends on which end of the equation you're on. Um, judgment is actually a very good thing. I mean, if you think about our own world, if we didn't have the courts, if we didn't have laws and ultimately some sort of judgment, um, this, our, our whole society would be in total upheaval. Now, for those that want to abide according to the, the local and uh, state and federal laws, um, that is actually a very good thing because it helps us know that those things are there for our protection. They are there to help us. They are there to help us make sure we don't veer one way or the other. I mean, I think about when we used to play games as kids, you know, whether it was kickball or whatever, um, you know, there are rules to go by. You inevitably had somebody that wanted to try to change the rules of the game. It's like, no, this is the way that it goes because this is what we understand. And it, only if we do it this way, will it really be able to be actual fun. And we tried those times where we tried to change the rules, but it ended up all being to no avail and it made everybody kind of going at each other. Um, and so to have laws are very important, but you, laws are of no avail if there's not some sort of judgment to back it up. Um, now, if you're not following the law, that judgment can seem like not such a good thing because you know then that you're going to be subject to certain penalties that will result because you didn't go along with the rules of the game, so to speak. And so, as I said, it depends which side of the equation you're on, but actually the judgments are there for our benefit so that we can be safe, so that we can have life to the full that it is designed to be able to provide. Well, you know, as I was studying through this, Tim, and, and looking at this portion as well as others that we're going to be looking at, I found that judgment really is the point where you evaluate something. And what Jesus is doing, for example, with this blind man, as well as with the Pharisees, Jesus was doing an evaluation. And in looking at the blind man, he was evaluating him as his man who had been born blind to no fault of his own, according to what the scripture is saying to us. And therefore, Jesus, in his judgment, evaluated him and healed him. In fact, if you go up to verse 33 of this chapter, it says, If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Only because, in verse 32, it says, We have not heard of any man opening the eyes of one that was born blind. So Jesus was doing this judgment, this evaluation of this man, not only for the man, but also for those that were encircled around him to be able to open their eyes to really see what has to be seen. Mm -hmm. And if we look at, for example, today in our work, this coronavirus and COVID-19 and, and the reason Tim is in his man cave and I'm in my office is because of this virus, this corona thing. Well, you know, some people, I'm sure that you've heard it on the news or whatever, some people are saying, well, is this the judgment of God? Well, if it is, is that a bad thing? I'm not saying if it is or not, but is that a bad thing? Because the judgment is, I'm doing this so that you can set your sights straight to where they need to be. Mm -hmm. Now, how many of us every day don't make hundreds of judgments every day? We make judgments as to, what do I want to have for lunch? 
What am I going to do to to fill my day? What you know? And there's all kinds of judgments in which we do every day. We don't call them judgments, but we do that. That is what a judgment is. It is an evaluation of a situation for the purpose of making it good. Mm-hmm. And so as I think reason, about, go ahead. and even as I think about, as you mentioned, with this whole COVID nineteen thing. Um, if this is a judgment of God, like I, I like that question, is it really a bad thing? And I would say definitely not, because what we see happening right now within our communities, within our culture, is you're seeing people who have been very self-centered beginning to look out for those that are less fortunate. But in addition to that, I'm, I'm seeing even within the church realm, and you know, we're hearing reports all across the country on this, that people that haven't been going to church are now starting to tune into services online because they're searching for something. They realize that there's something that needs to change that goes deeper than the material surroundings that are around us. It's something that actually penetrates to the heart of who we are. And there's a real yearning uh, for something. You know, Tim, I, I love what you just said because uh, on Sunday mornings we do, as you do, we do a, a live broadcast, and then you can find, you know, you can find hits, how many hits you had, and, and also a lot of comments. And I have noticed that I've had some comments, for example, from uh, sub-people that I know would not darken the doors of a church building. But as they're listening to the messages and watching the videos, they respond with thank you, I needed that, or amen, or, or they're, they're very positively answering, you know, or making a comment about those videos. So to me, I'm looking at this and saying, wait a minute, at this point in time, and I'm sure probably you see this too, Tim, is we almost tend to be reaching more people this way than we do by opening the doors of our building and having people come into the building. But I, I do have to also tell you this. I miss not going to the building and having fellowship. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would be on that. <laughs> I love the fellowship of the same. So I do miss that. So in this whole um, picture that Jesus is giving to us in John chapter 9, when he goes and says to us in verse uh, verse 39 again, and Jesus said, With judgment I am come into this world, that they would see not, might see. Could, if this in fact is a judgment of God, whether it be the COVID-19, whether it be any of the other calamities in which we are seeing as a nation, it's almost like, like there's so many calamities. We've had the tornadoes right now that, that have been down in, Mississippi and Tennessee and all over the places, and you're looking at it and say, you know, what is happening? What is going on? Could this, in fact, be a picture where God is trying to say to us in America, but it's not only in America, because you hear calamities all over the world, where God is saying to the world, when are you going to come back to look at me? When are you going to come back to see me? There's a thing that I, I read the other day, and Tim, you can chime in on this. thing I read the other day is the church is empty, but the church building is empty, but the church has been deployed. Mm-hmm. And certainly I have seen in many, many ways where the church has been deployed. Yeah. Like you said, Tim, many people are calling people that they would never call. 
Mm -hmm. Well, we see that, and, and this isn't the first time. Uh, if you go all the way back in scripture to the book of Acts, um, you will see that Jesus had stated to his disciples, go and hang out in Jerusalem until the promise comes. And that promise was the Holy Spirit. So he came. And what happened after that? I mean, what, what that verse Im implies is this. Stay there until he comes. Okay, so that implies that once he comes, you are not to stay any longer. But what did they do? They stayed. And so what happened was God allowed actual persecution to come to the church. And what that did is that forced them out of Jerusalem into the uttermost parts of the earth where God expected them to actually go. And what did they use to get there? They used the roads that the Romans built. You know, the, the very people that were kind of uh, oppressing them actually ended up creating the very thing that caused the gospel to be able to go out and be preached. And, uh, and I, I kind of see a little bit of a parallel to where we are today. I mean, we're not using the Roman roads, but we're using the super, you know, the internet superhighway here um, to be able to take the gospel out. And what has happened is this calamity, this persecution, if you will, it really isn't a persecution, but if you want to use that word just for the parallelism, it has actually forced the church out of its comfort zone, out of its Jerusalem, out of its four walls, into where the people are. And we're starting to see things happen as a result of that. You know what I, I enjoy about this? And once again, this is an unprecedented thing. Certainly in any of our lifetimes, this is an unprecedented thing. But it's almost like God is saying, look, you folks have been so comfortable for too long. Mm -hmm. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, it's almost like he's forcing. I'm going to force you to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And certainly, you know, and I can say it with my testimony, and I believe I can say it with Pastor Tim's testimony, is there are many times where God has had to take both of us out of our comfort zone to do what we do now in our life. I mean, just the fact that we're on TV, just the fact that we're doing this broadcast, just the fact that we're pastoring and leading people and, and all the things that that entails. I mean, that is nothing that I would ever dream that I would be doing. You know, I expected to either work in a plumbing trade, my dad owned the business, or to work at a factory where I used to work as a teenager. That's, that's what I thought my life situation was. But yet God says, wait a minute, Harold, I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone, and boy, has it. And that's what he's doing with the church today, I believe. It is. And, you know, I think of uh, also, again, uh, my childhood years, and that wonderful thing we used to call, and it's a very almost taboo word anymore, that thing called spankings, you know? Oh, you don't <laughs> and, want to do that. Uh, you know, spankings never felt good. But you know what? That a lot of those spankings I got made me the person I am today and has actually helped shape me. And I am thankful that I had parents that were willing to discipline um, because it was a form of judgment. It was you did something wrong. You know, it has to be weighed against something to, first of all, determine whether it's right or wrong. And if it's wrong, then there's going to be consequences result. If you do good things, there are good consequences. But 
the bad things, reap some bad ones. And had they not disciplined, what would have happened with me? What would have happened is I probably would have kept going down that road and I'd be in a much different place than I am today. And I wouldn't be, not, not saying that I'm righteous by any stretch of the imagination. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. But, but I think that if it wasn't for those disciplines, I would have chosen some very bad roads to go down. Um, but because they loved me enough. In fact, I think those were the words every kid hated to hear because you're always like, yeah, right. Well, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, right? And, uh, but the truth is, it really did. And when you become a parent, you begin to understand the truth of that statement. But now let's take it out of the earthly realm into the heavenly realm, where we have a heavenly father who at times needs to actually discipline us because of the judgment that needs to happen, because there was a right, there was a wrong, the rights get rewarded, but you know what? The wrongs do too. And if he doesn't reward those wrongs, we will go down bad paths. And so it's understanding that when he even does have to issue the judgment or the discipline, that it literally does hurt him more than it hurts us because he doesn't want to have to do it. So when God brings a judgment upon us, and Jesus said, I came to judge. When God brings a judgment upon us, then is it, so that, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul is saying, the Lord gave to me, for example, the, you know, the institution of taking the communion, okay, take the bread and the cup and so forth. And right after he gives the, the instructions on how to take the bread and the cup, we find this, uh, where he goes and says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So what I'm doing here is as I, as I look at Jesus said, I came to judge the world. Well, we also know in John 3, 16 and 17, and Tim's going to put that on in a few minutes. When we, verse 17, I did not come to condemn the world. So you look and say, okay. Jesus came to judge us so that he wouldn't have to condemn us. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it is now imperative as we want God or as we go through God chastening us or disciplining us or judging us, whatever word you want to use, that now we can come and say, wait a minute, I need to reevaluate this. Because what is judgment anyway? Judgment is really an evaluation of something. Mm-hmm. Like Pastor Tim said, it's an evaluation of is this good or is this bad? Is this right or is this wrong? And I know in our society today, you know, a lot of people are trying to preach to us and say, there's no right, there's no wrong. You know, it's almost like there's no good and there's no bad. Or, or the bad is called good and the good is called bad. But that is, that is flat out wrong, especially according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And Paul writes to us and says, wait a minute, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when the scripture says that all have sinned, they come short of the glory of God, that is God evaluating mankind. And what did he see? All of mankind is sin- are sinners. Mm-hmm. So, now what I have to do, what Pastor Tim has had to do, is now we have to come and self-evaluate ourselves and say, wait a minute, God says that I'm a sinner. 
Well, guess what? Harold Noyes had to come and say that he was a sinner mm -hmm. before God. In fact, I love a portion of Scripture in 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, my question, and, and I'll share this passage then, but my question is this. What does it mean to confess my sin? Does that mean that God did not did not know that I was sinning? Or God did not recognize the sin that I did? No. The word confession, at least as, as I interpret it, as I look at it, is what I have done, is I have evaluated. And I agree with God with his evaluation. Mm -hmm. Is sin is sin. And I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. So is that, does that seem reasonable to him? Absolutely. And, uh, and I think sometimes we have kind of gotten it to a point where it's, and it's much more than just lip service. It's not just simply saying, I did something wrong, I'm sorry, just to try to get out of it. Um, and some people have kind of interpreted confession to be just that. If I simply go to God to say, okay, just flippantly, I'm sorry, that somehow that makes everything just okay. And it doesn't because he looks beyond our words and it tells us that he evaluates our hearts is where it really starts. So when we confess, when we truly confess out of true remorse, it is a decision of the heart to agree with what it is that God has already stated. And in so agreeing, then it, begin, it causes a transformation to begin to take place within us. And I, I think about even, again, not to keep using all these, you know, times of going back to my childhood, but I think of a time when I wasn't necessarily living as a good preacher's kid, uh, you know, and actually had been caught shoplifting from a Woolworths department store and had gone home. But, you know, there's true remorse that was there. Yeah, there was definitely a remorse that I got caught. And I think lots of times that's what we think confession is. But, but it went deeper than that. Because I remember the whole ride home when my parents picked me up and it was very quiet in that car. They, neither of them said a word. I mean, I wish they would have said something, yelled, you know, or swung, I, I, something. But there was nothing. And what it caused, it's like that silence caused me to have to really evaluate something within myself. And I went home and ended up going uh, straight to my room. And, uh, of course, partially because my mom said so, but also because I just wanted to because I, I knew I had to evaluate something in me. And I came out and my mom came in shortly thereafter and I just looked at her and you, you, you can tell when someone's being genuine and when they're just playing a game. And she knew that there's genuine remorse that was there. And you know what happened? There wasn't condemnation. There was a loving arm that was reached out that embraced me, that acknowledged that what I did was wrong, but there was love in the midst of all of that. And it allowed me and my mom in the midst of that to begin to, for me to begin to share out of my own heart. And she just listened. And she just showed a great picture, I think, of what God's love was like. And then I remember her saying, well, now you know, you got to go tell your dad. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know, I'd rather do anything else but that, you know. But I know I have to do that. And I remember he was sitting in the living room and I went in, knelt down next to him. And I just confessed to him. I was like, Dad, I am so sorry. You know, I didn't stop to think about what this would do to you, you know, how this could come back on you and your ministry. Um, and the whole time, you, you could see the hurt in his heart as he was just staring blankly ahead. 
But I remember after I got done confessing and pouring out my heart to him, he just gently looked down at me and just said, you know what? You don't owe me any apology. The only one you have to apologize to is the Lord. And I just began to see through both of my parents, through this whole, exi- through this whole situation, a perfect picture of what justice in love looks like. You know, and yeah, there were some consequences that resulted from it. But had I not truly confessed, there's no doubt in my mind that the consequences would have been much worse than what they were. You know, I was thinking of a couple of, of instances, Tim, as you were sharing, that, that so often Jesus did. For example, you have the woman at the well. You know, he came and he, you know, he went and he asked the woman to give him some water and she. And they started the conversation. First of all, he shouldn't have been talking to her as a Samaritan, you know, but he loves the Samaritan just as he loves Jews and he loves Gentiles. I mean, so you have that. And it did come to a part where God made a judgment, where Jesus made a judgment. You know, um, I know that he is not your husband. Matter of fact, you had five husbands, and the one you're living with is not your husband. So he's making a judgment. But at the very end, when he sees that she is seeing what is wrong, he goes and even says to her, but neither do I condemn you. Mm. you know, or, the, or the woman, the adulteress, remember that was fun before the Pharisees, and, and they were trying to trick Jesus. And he said to them, oh, by the way, uh, which one of you have not known this woman? And remember, they said that from the eldest to the youngest, they left. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. He showed judgment, but there was not condemnation. Mm-hmm. It's the very same thing in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Tim, would you put that up? Because this is so important for us. Because so many of us picture God or look at God as if he came to condemn us already, and he didn't. Listen to what this says. John chapter 3, 16 and 17. Watch what this says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, you, you don't quote verse 16 without 17, because verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So why did he send his son? God sent his son into the world to show us, to reveal to us, to manifest to us, and that's what the word reveal means, is to manifest, to make known, and to show us who we are without him. But then he he wants to point us to himself so that we would not have to come into condemnation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is that is what all of this is all about. You know, the Jews were ready to condemn the blind man. You know, it's because of his sin that he's blind and, and all of this. And, and Jesus says, no. You know why he was blind? He was blind to reveal the Father's will mm-hmm. or to bring God, glory to God. That's why he was, that's why the judgment was made. And so when God is judging us, whether it be in the calamities that we see, whether it be in our own personal lives or things that happen to us, don't look at it as something horrible. We need to look at it as something where, okay, God is trying to show me that there's something that I need to, to either get right with him or there's something that 
that I need to allow him to change in my life or to work on in my life so that I will become more and more as to what he would have me to be. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to also understand that um, for, so for us, we, we need to be able to receive that. But when we see a brother or a sister also in Christ um, going down a bad road, we have a responsibility if they are not acknowledging or if they are not seeing for whatever reason that the direction that they're going is not pleasing to God, we owe it to them out of love to gently bring a correction there. And we need to understand that is not, that kind of judgment we need to be, able, we, we need to bring to each other, you know, but it's, it's judging without condemnation because what the Pharisees were doing, they were judging, but they were also condemning at the same time. Because what they were doing is they were saying this, you know, whether it was that blind man, uh, he has no right to be with us because he was born blind. Obviously he had sinned, so he's bad. And to do that was to elevate themselves to a place where they looked at themselves as being holier than that individual. And that is a dangerous place for us to get to, that we must never, ever offer correction with that kind of a heart. Um, but again, it's willing to look at ourselves. She just talked about that during the Sermon on the Mount, when he mentioned, you know, who are you to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in your own? Now, people like to quote that and stop right there and say, see, you have no right to judge me. Right. But Jesus went on to say this. He said, first, take the log out of your own eye so that you then can see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So it's saying that you have a responsibility to identify those things that might be wrong. And is that a kind of judgment? Maybe, but it's, it's not a judgment that has condemnation attached to it. So what needs to happen, as God reveals to us, and Tim shared an incident in his young life as a young boy, what happened there at the uh, Woolworth store, I think he was at, um, I, I have a story, and I could write a book about it, um, the various times that my dad had to judge me, the many times that I went over his lap and, and things, and, you know, because that's taboo today, like, like Tim said. But you know something, there's one thing that I can tell you is that, you know, of all the times that my dad judged me or evaluated what I did and what the course of action should be for what I did, Never once did my father ever say to me, and I disown you, and you are not a noise. I disown you, and you are not my son. He didn't do that. In Romans chapter, in Romans chapter 8, and I know we're not going to get to all the scriptures we had today, but in Romans chapter 8, Paul writes to us something very wonderful, and I think it's up to us to really explain this, where he goes and says, Therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So what that is saying is God, as, as he judges or as he evaluates us or as he reveals to us the changes that may, may need to be done. For example, the first and ultimate change is this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you need to go to him and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You I need you to come into my life and save me. In doing that, 
and in walking in Christ, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That means the resurrected Christ, by the way, the one that, that we just celebrated this past Sunday. It says, in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And therefore, what he's saying to us is, look, you, there is no condemnation. You will not be condemned of God if, if you would evaluate your life and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's impossible to be uh, to go into condemnation with that. There's another scripture verse that I found in John chapter 5, verse 24, where he says, and the word verily means truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life, okay, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So what is he saying? How do I go from being condemned to not being condemned? By trusting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Mm -hmm. By acknowledging before Christ, I know that I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what I love what that um, you know what precedes that passage out of Romans chapter eight verse one where it says there's therefore no condemnation and it always reminds me every time I see a therefore the old adage it's always good to see what the therefore is there for and you take it back to the end of chapter seven and what it's I, I love that passage because you see the heart of Paul you see a transparency here and he says this. It's this whole adage of the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do are the very things that I end up doing. I, there's this war that's going on in my flesh. I know the spirit expects me to live this way, but I tend to do this. And I don't want to do that, but I seem to do it anyway. And, and you can hear this warring that's going on in his mind and in his spirit. And he ends up stating at the end of that, who is going to rescue me from this body of death? That there's, there's this aspect of my heart that wants to live pleasing to God, but I still seem to keep falling into these other things. And it was in the midst of that, and in that real emotional and spiritual dilemma he was in, that he then says, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. So again, you see this aspect that the change is in the heart. It's not about so much the outward actions. Where's your heart at? Is your heart wanting to live a life that pleases God? If it is, you're going to keep a short account of those things. And God, and, and you're going to be open to when the Holy Spirit wants to reveal it. And when he does, you're going to be quick to respond to say, Lord, I am sorry. Help me to live differently now. You know, one of the neat things, Tim, is we go down to verse 2 of chapter 8, where Paul continues, but the law of the Spirit is life, uh, Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, made me free, from the law of sin and death. So what has it done? It has freed me from condemnation. I no longer have to walk around thinking that I'm being condemned by God. Now, it did not free me from his judgment. And there's a big difference there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. His judgment is, um, I think the scripture verse in Corinthians where it says, God chastens those whom he loves. Mm -hmm. Or can I transliterate that word to God judges those whom he loves or evaluates those whom he loves why to draw us ever deeper into our relationship with him that is the important thing mm -hmm. you see so don't look at judgment as being such a horrible rotten, terrible thing because it really isn't 
Now, Tim brought out earlier uh, something about, you know, for us, for example, us as pastors, we, we hear it all the time when we have to go and talk to a brother or sister about Christ or talk to them about maybe a way of life. And so often I get this this tone in this these words, you are judging me. And you know something? I have come to the point of saying, no, I'm not. I come to the point of saying, yes, I am. And the reason I am is because I am evaluating what is going on so that you would not have to face condemnation later. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is important. Don't you think, Tim? It, it is absolutely important. In fact, you read through the writings of Paul, I think it was in the book of Colossians. Um, and I'm wanting to say it was in chapter 5, but I'm not absolutely positive. I think so. Um, but he actually goes on to say that we are expected and, and should be judging. And he use, actually uses that word, judging those within the house of God. In other words, the other believers. That, and, and again, it's not that we come with condemnation. We don't do that. But at the same token, we have to share. And you look at even Jesus. Didn't Jesus do that? You know, Jesus talked very harshly and, and very judgmentally to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of the day. But you look at the way that he interacted with those that were of the world, you know, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, uh, you know, and so many others. And what you see, is Zacchaeus was another one, right? You just see this incredible outpouring of love with absolutely no condemnation. But the love itself brought a level of conviction to them that prompted them to judge themselves. And, um, and then he reacted, you know, with obviously his love to quickly forgive when they did that. But the reason why judgment needs to happen in the house of God is because we have this individual called the Holy Spirit that convicts us of right and wrong. And sometimes when we tune choose to turn a deaf ear to him, he will use a brother or sister to be his voice. And, um, and the thing is, is people of the world don't know any better. You know, they don't have the Holy Spirit within them convicting them of right and wrong. And so, but we do, you know, if, if, if you've named the name of Christ. And so if he's in us, and he, his role is to convict us of what's right and wrong, and we still choose to do wrong, that is where we're bringing the, condemn, or bringing the judgment of God then upon ourselves. Um, and, and that prompts him then to send a Jesus with flesh on to be able to speak the, harsh, the, the, the hard words, not the harsh words, but the hard words. Speak the truth, but still speak it in love. I find it so interesting, Tim, that not only is that found in the New Testament, that was found so many times in the Old Testament. When you hit the Old Testament prophets, mm -hmm. what was the job of the Old Testament prophets? What's the same? Not the harsh Israel? words. <laughs> yeah, what's to say to Israel? Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta straighten your act up, because you have, you know, God has done this for us, and God has has given us, you know, uh, shoes that didn't wear out for forty years, and He's done all of these things, and what are you doing with that? You know, you're leaving him. You're, you're, you know, you're going your own way again. Wait a minute, guys, smarten up, mm -hmm. smarten up. You know, and and I think that's exactly what God's judgment does to you and me, and maybe is doing to the nations of the world through this pandemic and other things. Maybe God is just simply saying, "Look, I don't want to condemn you. 
I didn't come to condemn you, but I came to bring you closer to myself. Because isn't that the heart of the Father? He mm -hmm. wants to have a people that he can love and call his own. And that That's is right. the key to the whole thing, isn't it? It is. So if God is judging you, don't take it as some sort of a condemnation. No, actually take it as God loves me enough to point me in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, I came to judge, but I did not come to condemn. And what a big, big difference that is. But then my, my mind also goes back then to that scripture that, you know, he who confesses a sin, that God is quick and just, to, quick and just. There's that judgment again. Yep. He's quick and just to what? Forgive them of their sin because judgment still comes. The difference is when we confess them in the name of Christ, what we are doing is saying, yes, I've done wrong. Yes, I know there's a penalty. However, Jesus has already paid the price for that. That, that judgment call has, and consequence has already been paid in full. So that's why he is then able to say that he then justly will forgive us of our sins. He'll apply the blood of Jesus Christ that we just got done celebrating uh, on Good Friday through Easter and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's to remove it totally from us to the point that we, we can actually live in such a way that we don't live under those same actions again. You know, not that we still don't mess up, but. Yeah, you know, what is so neat, and, and for, to look back, for example, this past weekend celebration, um, you know, you get a Monday, Thursday, then you have Good Friday, and so forth, is what did God, what did God do when he was on the cross? He judged the world and placed their sin upon his shoulders. And the blood that he spilled, he spilled so that he would not have to condemn the world. You know, now that, that does not mean that those who do not trust Christ as their Savior is not condemned because, because we know that God says, look, you've been condemned already. Why? Because you have not trusted Christ as your Savior. But what God is doing, God is saying, look, will you listen to my judgment? Will you follow my judgment so that you will not be condemned? I'm going to have Tim close in, in, in a salvation prayer, if you would, Tim, and then we will go and have Tim do the announcements and things. But Tim, why don't you close in a salvation prayer and just to help anybody who doesn't know Christ, how they can come to know Christ, and then we'll go and do the announcements you want to make. We will get right into prayer. Basically, what this prayer is going to entail, just to let you know so you don't get halfway into it wondering what it is that I'm going to really be praying. But what we're basically saying is, look, God, I know I've, I've fallen short. You know, we're, we're going to acknowledge where we are at uh, in our life, um, be able to say that. And I know there's nothing I can do to gain your acceptance. But, you know, Jesus' blood, you promised that if I come and confess my sins, that you'll let him cover me. So it's, it's saying, I'm sorry, it's confessing this stuff, but then it's saying, it's being willing to say, I accept what Christ did for me. And I ask that you apply his blood to my life and help me to live this day forward in a way that pleases you. So if that's where you're at, pray this along with us and do us a favor. If you do pray this prayer, send us a Facebook message at facebook.com slash heartline ministries, or just respond. Uh, if you happen to see this video on Facebook, just respond there. Hey, gave my life to Christ, but we'd like to be able to pray with you. And if you want, 
give us a give us an email or a mailing address so that we can uh, send some information to you uh, to help you as you begin this walk with the Lord. But let's pray. Lord, we come before you right now and we acknowledge that we are sinners, that, that we have done things that have displeased you, that, we, that we've done things that uh, have discredited you. And we have no right, Lord. I have no right to come before your throne except for the fact of what Jesus has already done. And so, Lord, I say I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for the sins, Lord, and those specific sins, Lord, that, that you're convicting me of even in this moment. I choose to lay them at your feet. I ask that you would apply the blood of your son to my life. I accept the price that he paid on Calvary for me, and I choose to have a relationship with him. And I ask that you would help me to walk from this day forward in a way that pleases you, a, a life that looks like Jesus more and more every day. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that I can be assured and know right now that you are true to your word, that you will forgive me of these sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I thank you for that gift right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain, with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main, and may God bless you.